You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll come, call upon me, come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God said this to his people, the Israelites, who were enslaved, living in Babylon, in captivity for over 70 years. Today we'll share our story of how God took two enslaved people and gave them hope and a future. I'm Ren Hornwood, and this is my wife, Nancy. My beautiful wife, Nancy, right? Uh, we've been a part of the church for 15 and 16 years. Uh, we have two little pirates out here, Hudson and Lukey. <laughs> he has actions, too. Um, and today we're charged with giving you our lives through our testimony. And we'll cover three main points. One... Part one is who we were before we were Christians. Part two is how we became Christians. And part three is what keeps us going and faithful. And then we'll transition to taking communion together. So part one, who we were before we were Christians. In thinking about this question, we ask ourselves, what attracts us to God? And what means does God use to draw us close to him? I grew up in and around L.A. to two amazing parents who, typical L.A. parents, they divorced when I was very young. Uh, I went to El Camino High School in Woodland Hills, and I was a regular high school student until the last two years. The last two years of my high school experience looked more like a scene out of Venice Beach. Partying, drugs, broken relationships, while I searched for fulfillment. And what attracted me to God initially was just sheer desperation and the lives of disciples, authentic people with a full intention of living their lives for God. Uh, when I saw people interacting, eating together, studying together in college, it reminded me of what, it, what I read about in Acts 2, except I didn't know at that time. I'd never read the Bible. I didn't understand it. Uh, the, peop- the disciples that I met, they were exuberant. They were joyful. And as they praised God, it inspired me and it spurred me on to commit myself to God and repent. So this is my wonderful wife, Nancy, who will be sharing her life with, with uh, you now. Good morning, guys. Um, I'm a little nervous, so bear with me. But God was at work in my life through a dramatic story before I ever knew him. It's a longer story than I have time to go into today, but the gist of it is that my mom married a Muslim man from Jordan, and by the time I was six years old, they were having serious conflict about how to raise me and my younger brother. Following that is a story of an escape from the Middle East using stolen passports, selling items to save enough money to buy an air ticket and hiding that money. And then from about age 6 to 14, we lived in a communist country, the former Czech Republic. And uh, at that time, there were no laws to protect my brother or I, no legal laws. 
from literally being kidnapped back into the Middle East. So our growing up was not only don't talk to strangers, but don't you ever talk to strangers, don't you ever talk to anyone, you come straight home after school, etc. Um, at 14, my mom married my stepfather, and we then moved with one suitcase to the United States, and that was a culture shock of its own. But fast forward to when I was 18, and by then I was well-adjusted to the States, probably somewhat arrogant, somewhat spoiled. Um, I was actually starting off my first year of college in Reno, Nevada, and my parents were living back in Europe at the time. And I was fully set on living college to the fullest sense of the word with, with everything that that had meant to me. Um, some of the things I was enslaved to at that time was primarily selfishness, being manipulative, focused on my career and future, which probably included getting married and divorced a couple of times. Um, what initially drew me to God is knowing that he had a plan for my whole entire life. Like Gren mentioned, a plan that included a hope and a future and a plan that I had known nothing about. And also the power of his word. Um, before a classmate of mine one day asked me to study the Bible with her, I never knew how applicable the Bible could be to my life. In my first Bible study, we actually looked at a passage in Hebrews 4:12-13, and I'd like to read it here. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom to whom we must give account. And I always considered myself an intellectual. I had read biblical texts in the past, but never a powerful passage like this one. And I think that day my throat narrowed and as I really stood in awe of the Bible, and I realized that I had done plenty of judging, plenty of comparing and justifying of myself, why I was so good in my own eyes. Um, but I never thought that one day my thoughts and my attitudes and my heart would also be judged and uncovered and exposed before God. It was a powerful revelation that started to cause a series of changes in me and um, a desire to wanting to alive my life with with God's plan. So part, part two is how we became Christians. And we asked ourselves, and we'd like to ask you, what continues to attract you to God today? Uh, for me, God used the family ministry, actually. And I'm not just saying that because we're part of the family ministry today. We both have had the privilege of being part of campus ministry, teen ministry, singles ministry, but uh, for me, I was converted in the Reno church, a small church at the, at the time. Dave and Mary Atkins should know. It was about 40 people. And when I was studying the Bible, it was the campus ministry of one. When I was actually baptized, it was the campus ministry of two and so on. You know, it was a different number at different times. Um, but basically, with a small church, there are always needs. And early on, you're called to give and serve and love. And... Uh, 
I remember for the first time really seeing successful, godly marriages. As you can imagine, that was a novelty to both of us. Seeing a husband and a wife that actually communicated to one another with kindness and with respect. I remember seeing kids and teens that pray when I barely knew how to pray myself. I remember seeing godly dating meaning men and women who really follow the standards of the Bible when it comes to sexual purity and dating. And this was going on while I was in college, surrounded by debauchery, you know, in the dorms around me, and you can fill in the blanks there. But seeing that same purity inspired and allowed one day for Ren and I to date in a godly way and to put purity first and really wait until marriage. The book of Titus, chapter 2, talks about older women training younger women, teaching them to do what is good, to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure. And I feel like God was teaching me these things through the family ministry. Are you guys roasting out there? Bear, bear with us. I know it's hot. Uh, what led... What led me to become a disciple was God intervening in my life that was full of sin. Uh, There was a great deal of emptiness in my life. I was living the party lifestyle, and I was filling it with all the wrong things. Maybe you can relate. Um, It led me one day to actually overdose. Um, Let me paint a picture of one specific night when I was at my lowest, and God stooped down. He literally stooped down to rescue me. Um, I hadn't studied for midterms in my first semester of college, and I bought some speed on October 31st, 2001. Methamphetamine. And within a week, I didn't know how to use it, and I overdosed. Um, I was sitting in a pool of vomit, living in my 87-year-old grandmother's house in Beverly Hills, and she was away with family. Uh, I was concerned that day that if she found me dead... Something, might be, something bad might happen to her. And I had to stay alive, not for me, but for her. And I was brought to my knees. I literally cried out to God that night, and I said, I don't want to die like this. This is not how my life was supposed to go. Um, God answered that prayer. A week later, I was sitting at a bus stop, and I met Gary. And he was a new Christian himself. We're sitting at a bus stop. Uh, I ended up studying the Bible with him that day, and my world went from black and white to vivid color. And through my studies, I eventually discovered the life of Paul the Apostle. And I found his example of courage and transformation really fascinating. Uh, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. And it changed him. It humbled him. He was walking down the road, and the light shone upon him, and his life was never the same again. And similar to Paul, who literally had to be walked by the hand, and he had a life transformation, that was like me. I needed someone to walk with me by the hand and to give me a life transformation. Um, that's what it took for me to come to my knees before, before the Lord and surrender and say, you know what, God, I'm willing to do it your way. My way, isn't, it ain't working. It's not working right. God used an authentic 
discipleship relationship to inspire me. And, you know, sometimes when you're at your lowest, that's when God can help you find the answers. Uh, now we're going to move on to part three, where we want to share with you what helps keep us faithful today. And we can ask ourselves, what keeps us going today and turning to God today in 85 degree heat? The hope of water. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, this month, at the end of the month, I will be celebrating half of my life as a Christian. And I remember a long time ago looking forward to this point. It seemed so far in the future. And I remember hoping and praying that I would be here, um, that I would be here faithful. And it's here before I know it. And I think today, more than ever, I'm aware of how much I continue to need God, how gracious he has been to me over the years, that I fall short without him every day, with or without him every day. And that love covers over many of my shortcomings. First Peter 4, 8 through 11 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as with the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. What draws me to close to God today is the desire to love him back, even though I know I will never come close to the way that he loved me. The desire to impact my community and friends. The challenge to put him first. Even think about how many times we've struggled to put him first this week. I know I have. Um, what keeps me going is the knowledge that he never gave up on me. And so who am I to give up on others? There's definitely been times in my Christian life that my Bible has just been laying on my nightstand untouched for weeks, and it was a hard time. But at the end, it came down to me asking God, God, where am I going to go? <laughs> Do I know better? And I knew that I, I don't know better. Um, what else keeps me going is the desire to raise kids that know God, to change our family tree. And all of you guys, all of us have that ability to change our family tree. You know, it weighs on me raising kids today, how to deal with all the pressures, with schooling, challenges, consumerism, values, everything that our world in 2007 throws our way. But I do have a sense of hope and comfort that I get to have the privilege to turn to God. Um, to turn to him for answers, to seek input, to pray. And before, I never knew that these tools existed and that they were available to me. And I actually feel that God continually pursues me in this way, to follow him in the long run, calling my name, calling your name. So I've turned away from God numerous times in my life despite having a dramatic transformation. On one occasion, steeped in sin, I remember being at a crossroads in my life, 
sitting on a step, and I asked myself, Ren, who do you want to be in this world? For me, that question is a motivating one. Remembering the lives of faithful heroes, true disciples in the faith who inspired me not by perfection. They inspired me by their steadfast examples in Christ. And what attracts me to God today is perseverance. Now, it's not easy, of course. I've had my ups, I've had my downs, and I've lost touch with Jesus at times. Um, I'm not inspired by people that are perfect anymore. I'm inspired by people that persevere through tough times. You know, in the Bible, it talks about the victor's crown. And I was thinking about the people that win, you know, Olympic medals and how what it's going to be like when we get to heaven one day and we look around and we see people and God's giving them the victor's crown. Today, wanting to be faithful to God to the end inspires me. I'm not a quitter. I'm not inspired by perfection. I'm inspired by perseverance. In the early days, a church rehab program called Chemical Recovery was a huge part of my learning to be authentic and honest again. I learned how to be truthful and how to have honest relationships with people. Um, I learned those things. I overcome temptations one by one and dependency. Uh, I've seen through perseverance what Jesus has done in my life today. I mean, I ended up graduating from UCLA. Uh, We got married, Nancy and I, and we continue to have a great marriage today. Uh, I'm a successful real estate broker. I own a home, a rental property in Lawndale. I have two awesome boys that love me dearly. And Jesus has given me so much, so many rich friendships and relationships, because I've chosen to persevere. So with that, I wanted to set us up for communion. We can sum up the gospel in a few points. We all have sinned, right? Sin has drastic penalties. Jesus Christ paid that penalty for each one of us. And our job is to go, change our ways and repent, commit ourselves to him and be baptized. There's no way to sugarcoat that. If you seek after him with all your heart, that's our goal, right? We have to seek after God with all of our heart. And we have to figure out how to do this. The Bible says... He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That's 1 Peter 2:24. So at this point, we want to take a little bit of time to remember Jesus and what he's done for us. By his wounds, we have been healed. Let's pray. And if you need a communion cup, I'm sure there's going to be people coming around to pass them out. If you have one, now is the time to uh, pull that out. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for you, God, for your example in our lives, reaching down and stooping down to make us great. Uh, God, thank you for giving us the luxuries and safeties that we have. 
God, thank you for forgiving us and forgiving us time and time again, God. We are so grateful. Uh, God, be with us. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. With us as we pray right now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.